I love this team. They do great. Uh, you might have noticed that uh, uh, Brad's not with us today. Don't worry. He's on vacation. All right. He gets a little time off every now and then, too. So, Frank, thank you so much for uh, filling in and, and doing what you do, man. I thoroughly enjoyed his testimony, didn't you? Absolutely. Wow. Well, here we are ending this year and going into a new year. And, you know, a lot of things go through our minds through this time. One, time to get back to some normal life, right? Can anybody say amen on that one if you believe that, right? Amen. Back to some normality. Get back into a routine. Get back into a schedule, right? But, you know, I, I was sitting there contemplating and, and beginning to think and, and obviously prayful, prayerful about this. Of What is it that God wants to talk to us about? What is it that God wants to communicate to you and I that could really challenge us to a place where we go, all right, Lord, I accept that challenge. And because of that, I know you're going to bring change into my life. You know, what I really thoroughly enjoy reading in the, in the New Testament is Acts. Acts is all about the new church. Acts is about who we are and what we base our beliefs off of as a body of Christ. And in Acts chapter 3, which obviously this book is an amazing book, it, you know, Acts, for one, picks up where all the other Gospels kind of leave off. You know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and, and they're the four Gospels, and they're giving different perspectives of telling what is considered to be really the same story about Jesus, what he did while he was here on earth. And then we understand what happens. He leaves, he goes to heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit to do what? To assist us in fulfilling what is really our marching orders, and that is to what? The Great Commission going into all the world and telling this amazing story of who God is through the good news that he has given us through his word. The book of Acts covers everything from Jerusalem all the way to where they're going into Rome, which is considered the capital of the Roman Empire. And by the time this church and the book of Acts closes, you literally see this guy, Paul, sharing the gospel before who would be the most powerful man at that time on this earth, and that is Caesar himself. The book of Acts is an amazing journey. It's a history of what the early church was and a, really a blueprint of what we are to be. By the time this book closes, we see many miracles have taken place. We've seen the church come together. We see through those scriptures where thousands daily begin to come to Christ. What we are going to do here in the next few moments this morning is look in Acts chapter 3. And there's a very, what I feel is an extremely powerful story. And it, what it, I think it is going to do is going to launch us off and to the point that we're going to talk about several weeks, and that is simply this, keep the change. Keep the change, all right? Acts chapter 3, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, if not, we have it up here, says this, one day, Peter and John, these are guys who understand this, they literally walked with Jesus, they were part of who? Jesus' inner circle, all right, tight-knit group here, but one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, this is considered, uh, according to the Jewish timetable, the ninth hour of the day. All right. 
Their, their, their timetable ran from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth, in other words, what? This guy couldn't walk. He couldn't walk from birth, from his complete existence here on earth. Up to this point, this man was unable to walk. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Now what I want you to understand there with this is the temple had a lot of different gates, but the irony here is that this gate had a particular name called Beautiful. And why there's some irony with it is because of what we're going to about to read and see what unfolds here. It says he was being carried to the temple, to the gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So here's what we can understand here for a minute. When he wanted to receive financial gifts, when he wanted to receive help, try to, try to grab your mind around this. He wasn't going to the stores. He wasn't at a stoplight or a stop sign, okay? He, he, he wasn't at the mall ringing a bell. Clearly, we understand that this man saw where God's people were, and obviously, if they were to be as considered God's people, that they had a heart for people. So he knew where to go, where he felt he could benefit the most from. And that is simply going to the temple. Now, verse 3 goes on to say, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked, at, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him, them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6. Then Peter said this, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helps him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I'm not really sure why. Now, what I want you to understand here is believe that in, for the book of Acts that actually Luke uh, wrote this book. And Luke was considered as the physician, all right? Highly intelligent individual, probably very detailed-oriented. You know, so that's probably why we're getting some specifics here in this. So it says, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. There's a lot that we can learn, and there's a lot that you're going to learn from this here in just a few moments. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. I wonder what their thoughts were in that moment. Wait a minute, this is the same guy who was begging probably for years and years and years prior to now, who couldn't do anything, but all of a sudden, he has a, an encounter with a few gentlemen, and we're seeing something completely different here. All right. Verse 10. They recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting and begging at the temple called gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. That's how anyone should feel, or that's how we should feel anytime we recognize that Jesus has done something in all of our lives. But why did they feel amazement at what had happened to him? Now let's go into verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, 
all the people were astonished or what and or amazed. And they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if, as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? In other words, who do you think we are? We have done nothing here. Verse 13, he goes on to give credit. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So if I had to give a subtitle to what this particular message of the series that we're getting into this morning would be called, it would be this, making sense of change. This is what we're going to be talking about during this series, and that is obviously change. It's perfect because naturally, here we are at the year end. And everyone at the year end or the beginning of the year, what do we begin to do? New Year's resolutions, right? And look, I have been guilty of this before by saying, you know what, we play that up way too much because you know what a New Year resolution is? It's just a broken commitment. Just being honest, it's a broken commitment. And so what we do is we look at this time of the year and sometimes we frown upon those things that we consider of bringing a resolution or bringing a change in. But I want to kind of flip that around because why is it so bad for people to do a self-inventory and go, there's some things I need to change. Why is it so bad? Why would we look down upon people who want to bring better into their lives? I don't think it's for any of us to judge that in any manner. In fact, I believe not only should this be something that we do yearly, maybe it's something that we do quarterly. God, let's do an inventory. What what needs to happen in me? Maybe it's something that needs to happen monthly within our lives. Maybe it's something that needs to happen weekly, but watch this. Maybe it's even something that needs to happen daily within us. You know, the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and then harvest time. Psalm 76 and 11 says, make vows to the Lord your God and then do something about it. What? Fulfill them. The Bible tells us all about change. It encourages change in your life. It encourages change as a church. Why is it necessary for change? Because if you don't allow change to come into your life, you're going to do what? The same things over and over and over again, expecting a different result, but it's not going to happen. Unless what? We allow change to enter into us. What are some things that you would like to see God to do in your life? What are the things that you don't like about yourself that you would like to see God change? Now, the Bible does not shy away from us making these types of thoughts or these types of commitments. In fact, it's encouraging us to do it. We could all probably admit here this morning that there are some oaths that we make that we haven't done well at fulfilling. Those, like I said, mentioned earlier, New Year's resolutions. 
We have great intentions sometimes. How about this? Have you ever made a resolution and you never even attempted to change it when it started? That happens in the month of December. What that is called is this. I'm going to change this and the new year. February rolls around. You realize you didn't even change because you forgot about it. And you go, well, we'll just kick it back off the next year. We've done that. We have been there, right? Great intentions, but we have a hard time with commitment and following through. Let me ask you this question. What if in years gone by, these resolutions were not too big to be kept, but maybe they were just too small? Let me me, me repeat that to you. What if in years go by that these resolutions that we make that we want to bring change in our lives, that these resolutions were not too big to be kept, but maybe they were simply just too small. Maybe you weren't too ambitious enough. Maybe you weren't going at it hard enough. Maybe you were thinking the impossible is truly that, impossible. Maybe you're not aiming high enough. Maybe you're not wanting to see greater and better things. Maybe you're satisfied with just the small stuff. It's funny as you, you see kids at Christmas time and you ask them, oh, what, what is it you want for Christmas? They're not telling me nothing small. They want the big stuff. And they have a complete faith and confidence that what? They're going to get it. Think about that. It's crazy how a child's faith in man could be greater than an adult's faith in God. Let me bring you to our first bullet point in your bulletin here or your outline this morning, and that is this. The change you need may not be the change you want. What we need to consider here is the change that in your mind, is it a want or is it a need? Let's break this story down a little bit. The story says that Peter and John noticed this man lying there. You cannot receive a need addressed if it's never been noticed. It seems, you know, as you read it, that Peter was the one who acted and John might have been the one who noticed. This lines up really great with their character within God's word because we know this. Peter's the gruff, the bold, the guy who's going to do stuff. All right. He's the guy that's going to take an initiative. He's the guy that's going to be full of action. So I can definitely clearly see that Peter is probably not the one that notices in this story, but rather maybe John is the one that notices because here's John's personality. He's kind of passive. He's very passionate. We see that all through the scriptures. Obviously, he's the beloved, right? In fact, he's the only one of the disciples that was at the cross. So chances are John is a detailed-oriented person. And so walking by day after day after day, here we have one instance where they notice this man. Let me ask you this. How many needs are we walking by, but we are just too distracted to notice? Are we aware of the needs that are around us? Are we aware of the people that we interact with? Are we potentially missing out or are others potentially missing out on something grander because we are preoccupied? Or simply this, we simply just don't care. The need in this story 
is notice. You, speaking of you, in your life, have been strategically placed by God to make a difference in others. What are you doing to fulfill it? How are you interacting maybe with your spouse and your kids with their needs? Are you taking notice of the need of a coworker? What pain in their lives or in the individuals around you that get under your skin so bad, but you need to begin to notice to see where the root of the problem is. You cannot address a need if you first don't notice it. What need do you have within your life that you need to notice yourself? There's a large difference in this passage, in this story, between what he wanted, speaking of the beggar, speaking of the lame man, and what he needed. What he needed, he no longer noticed. Let's go back to the story for a second. Let's break it down a little bit further for you in those first moments of Scripture. But it said that there was a a beggar who was taken to the gate called Beautiful by his friends. He's being taken to this gate simply to do one task, and that is to sit there and to beg to church people. Because after all, church people should be the ones who see and notice the needs of others and should have the love of Christ within them to be compassionate toward them. So here you have this beggar who's being taken by his friends. Chances are dropping him off letting him fund their lives. Are you following me here? Are you seeing a picture here? And so he does so willingly. After all, he has no other choice. He needs it himself. And so he's there at the gate called Beautiful, and he's begging. He's begging for money. He's begging for cents. He's begging for dollars. And doesn't realize that the change he needs is him himself. He's become so blind and so numb to what is really important that he's allowing the influence of those around him to dictate what change needs to happen. Oftentimes, here we go, we come in, we, we, we do these resolutions or we come into a gathering like this and we're going after what is considered these small things when God is wanting to do the enormous when God is wanting to do the giant things, when God is wanting to make the huge difference within our lives. This man couldn't even notice the fact that he could no longer walk. From birth, he couldn't walk. He's not even thinking about the mere possibility of walking. And in fact, he's sitting in right outside of the temple or the church where the very ones who are providing his lifestyle who are giving to his need, are going in and praying to a God. But yet this man is only looking at the small change that is needed. Not even thinking about the huge stuff. It's not even on his mind. All that he is ever accustomed to is the small, the irrelevant actual need. All he was asking for was what? Just a little bit of money, a couple of dollars. What if they would have given him that money and then just walked on? He would have had a change that he would never 
been able to keep. The change would have been spent somewhere along the way. The effort that he put into would have been only for a mere moment, or how I like to say it, maybe just for a split season. The longevity of that change, if they would have just walked by and said, just dropped a couple dollars in and moved on, would have been spent maybe before the sun went down that day. But instead, what did they do? They noticed something more important. So what change needs to happen in your life that you need to focus on intentionally? You can't focus on everything because that's the same as focusing on nothing. Focus on something. Focus on what the big change is for your life. Watch this. My few coins might be maybe you want to lose some pounds. So that's the typical thing for the New Year's resolution, is it not? So what are you going to do? You're going to eat better. You're going to work out more. What will that have done for you? It will eliminate an unhealthy fixation with food and you would have traded it for an unhealthy fixation for fitness. Amen. I'm not getting very many amens on that one now. All you would have done was swapped idols, something else to focus on, on getting your wealth and validation from. That doesn't mean you don't need to eat well because you do and you need to exercise. Here we go. Here's your few coins. I want to budget better. Do you know there are greedy rich people just like there are greedy poor people? If you focus on money as someone who doesn't have it, your focus will be on money as someone who does have it. And so that change is anything but because that's just simply supplying you the capability of having a fixation on something else rather than what is truly important within your life. So in this story, we see a guy focused on a need that simply of this, if it is met, he can't keep it because it would be spent on something else. But instead, someone walking by, what, takes notice of a greater change that needs to happen in this man's life, a change that simply only God himself can do. Many of us, well, look, look, we are sitting here today and your need might be a financial need. Your need might be, you wanna lose more weight. You know, your need might be a relational need, but let's get down to it. If you truly wanna receive change within your life and see God really work diligently and see these things come to pass more effortlessly, then the relationship with God is the one that needs to change primarily. When we begin to get things right relationally with God, it's like a domino effect and it affects every other area of our lives. The things that seem so large to us become rather small and God becomes what? Much larger, more prominent. Oftentimes for God to get our attention on what we need could be simply not allowing us to receive what we think we need or what simply we want. There was a point where this guy could have gotten mad. When Peter and John were there and he was, he was begging for alms for the poor, what was their response? It was this, silver and gold we do not have, but what I do have, we give to you. Time out, wait a minute. If you don't have what I need, that's not good enough. 
That's how we take this many times in life. If, imagine if you were that man and they came by and said, look, I know you're asking for money. We don't have it, but let me tell you about Jesus. People don't want to hear that. What do they want? They want the money. They want that change that they think they so desperately need. But God sees a bigger picture here. He says, no, look, that's not what you need. What you need is me. What you need is me to become the central focus of your life so that then what? It becomes a domino effect and I can get inside of other areas and begin to what? Bring real change. Now, this guy could have been like, you know what? You're wasting my time. I need to then move on and focus my attention on these other worshipers, these other people coming around. He could have gotten really mad, maybe even present, you know, some type of altercation. He could have been extremely disappointed. He could have even been offended in that moment. You know, that happens a lot when we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. We become focused on our thinking. We get upset that our motive, that we, what, what we are asking for is not being met. That it's impossible for happiness to be in our lives if we're not getting what we want. You know, I, I've seen this happen so many times within my own life. I've seen it happen with this church. I've seen it happen, look, even in your own lives as an observant, watching and looking. But many times the very things that we want never come to be but always the very things that we need happen. And sometimes we will go, I don't need that in my life. You know, I've learned this. God causes things and then God allows things. So therefore, what? God is in all things. So whether you want it and are accepting of it, or whether you need it or rejecting it, God is still involved in it and its purpose for your life. Now, Acts chapter 3, verse 7, watch as Peter speaks uh, words, and, and here's something direct that happens. He grabs this man. He does so with his right hand, okay? And in the Bible, you need to understand this. In the Bible, the, the right hand sim, 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 <laughs> is a symbol, there we go, of authority, all right? When the right hand is given, it's a symbol of authority. Lameness had an authority over this man. So when Peter stretched out his right hand to him, that was an authoritative move. Now, Acts chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now, in this story, Peter could have pulled him up, could have picked him up, could have dragged him up. But what happened? Jesus gave the power by the, for the man to choose to do something there, and that is to stand up. He had to choose to do it before what the scripture tells us that his ankles and bones receive strength. There's something there that we can learn. You could be praying it. You can even say, Lord, I'm going to accept it. But before you begin to put, what, one foot in front of the other, you need to put into practice what you're believing God to do. This man in that moment could have just still laid there and possibly nothing would have ever happened. But it says at the moment that what? When he began to get up, what happened? The strength came to him. What does that mean? His effort counted. 
His effort in that moment was important. It's not just enough to pray the prayer and then say, oh, okay, God, I'm going to expect you to do everything. No, we need to pray the prayer, but then also get involved, faith believing that, God, you're going to move. I'm not doing this under my own power. I'm doing this by your assisted power. I'm doing this as you're leading, as you're guiding me. Listen, we, we have become so spoiled as a church and as a faith-filled body that we go like this, God, it's in your hands. You take care of it all. We understand because what does Peter say? He says, cast all your cares, does he not? Casting all of our cares. But it also says, what, you're not supposed to reel it back in, are you? You're not supposed to bring it back in yourself. I'm gonna give it to you, but I don't trust you, God. You can't take care of this. I'm gonna give it to you, but I don't trust you. After a season, Lord, a week or two, it's not happening. I'm bringing it back in. No. The Bible says that we are to cast our cares. I love that because here's the deal. Paul says simply that my mere existence on this earth is simply just a vapor compared to eternity. There's one thing you guys hear every week. You hear that, don't you? I live by that. I love that because look, I go through many problems, many struggles myself, and I have to put the big picture in perspective and go, what am I worried about? My eternity is far greater than what I'm living here on this earth. Amen? But he says to cast all your cares. And here we got a, a man who is lame and he's, he's, he thinks he knows what he needs and he needs money. So he's sitting there begging and he's got these friends. His friends can only take him so far. Understand that. His friends can only take him so far. They took him to the gate. They dropped him off. Now, I believe they had an intention there. Look, this guy's going to get money. And then, you know, what? he can't, can't do anything about it. We're going to get our portion from him. Okay, so here we got this guy, he's at the gate, he's asking, he's begging. And here Peter goes, look, silver and gold I don't have, but here's what I'm gonna do for you. Takes him by the right hand, helps him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now, Peter could have pulled him up, like I said before. He could have drug him up, but no, the guy, what does he do? His own effort gets up. God has the power but you still have to choose to get up. This guy received what he needed and it came through by God not giving him simply what he wanted. Now let's look at another angle here to this story. Understand this was an abnormal day, but it all came about in a normal way. Acts chapter three, verse one says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. This is normal. This is a very low-key beginning. This is my favorite part of the message, by the way, so please listen. If you recall, you know, the psalmist once said, God, you are going to hear my voice morning, noon, and night. This was a custom for them to do this, to go for this time of prayer. We see that through Daniel. Daniel did this as well. But Peter and John are doing what is automatic to them. It was something that they did day in and day out, but this time, something amazing, something crazy happened. And how did this something amazing and crazy thing happen in the months of something that was routine and a part of their everyday normal life? Watch this. Here's your next bullet point. Healthy habits open you up to holy moments. Healthy habits open you up to holy moments. 
the routine, the grind, the discipline are things that you put into play so that God can bless you or work in you. Watch this. We are hoping for the wonders or miracles to happen without first doing the things that are necessary in our lives in order to sustain growth. God, I need you to do this, but I don't have time or the dedication or the discipline to stay within your word daily. God, I need you to work this out in my life, but I don't have the time, the dedication, or the discipline to stay prayerfully with you. You see, this moment that had happened was very normal. That day, this was normal. There was nothing grand happening at all. It was just a normal thing that they did. It was a routine thing, but God took a routine moment and made it something supernatural. So what does that tell me? Well, maybe 50 days of of the year, every morning I'm gonna get up and have prayer and read my word. And for 49, I may not feel anything, but on that 50th, maybe God gives me an amazing revelation. And why did you think that might've happened? Because he set everything up according to course and to plan to get me there. Why is it so important for us to have these spiritual disciplines within our lives? because they bring growth. They allow you to become stronger, more adequate to come against the things that the enemy, the fiery darts, the arrows, however you wanna say it, that can come against you in life. It prepares us. Peter and John would have missed out completely if they had not been going on their way to pray. They never even had the prayer meeting that day. God interrupted their routine because they were faithful in their routine. Maybe as you go into this new year, you may want to say, you know what? I want to gather with God's people more. I'm going to make a stronger commitment to coming to church. Watch this. We do this knowing that not every single time the lame man would get healed, though. What does that mean? That means this. Not every single time you're going to come in here are you going to feel those goosebumps, right? How many times have you, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. It'd be depressing for me. But how many times, think about that, have you come in here and you've not felt that, but yet you are what? Very routine about it. I could tell you how many times maybe I've sat down to read the word of God and walked away going, don't have any idea what I just got out of this. I don't know that I got out anything from it. But maybe a week later, as I was still in that same routine of making myself be in God's word, staying prayfully about it and go, wow. God, you really spoke to me. That routine would have been broken. Would I have ever had that ability that day to receive that blessing? Might have gotten lazy about it. Maybe, you know, Peter and John going to those prayer services many times without nothing happening, but it was those times before that set everything up for this one moment. And now let's look at Acts chapter three, verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. Now this guy is saying, hey, I want to be with you guys now. Those were my friends and, 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 and they're, 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 I'm putting them behind me now because I see what, what they were doing, I, you know, but I see what you've done. There's a difference. There's something different about you than them. There's something... Uh, There's a change that's happened in me. And now because of that, 
I want to be surrounded by this love. I want to be surrounded by this power. I want to be surrounded by this compassion. This, the next chapter in, in Acts, this guy is still with them, according to the scriptures. They, here, here they are, Peter and John, they're in trial, and this guy's like, you know what, I don't care. If you go to jail, I'm going to go to jail with you. I will walk with you. This guy is fired up because of a change that took place. There's something I want you to see. The old friends took him daily to the gate. They took him, what, as far as they could, but it took a new relationship to reach a new place. I'm very big on this, of the circle of influence within our lives. Sometimes there's those relationships that we have that God allows to go to sleep for a season. And he brings new relationships within us. Why? Because he's been preparing us to take us to a different degree of a relationship with him. In this moment, this is what was happening with this guy. You never hear no more of the old friends. All you now hear about is the new friendships, the new relationships that has been brought to be. Watch this. Not everyone is going to be excited about your change. People will even look down on you. Many have even given up their dream, and because you are pursuing yours, they will criticize you. Hmm. Winston Churchill says this, you have enemies. Good. It means you've stood up for something. If you do what God calls you to do, there will be those who don't like it within your life. Watch this. I, I don't mean this wrongly, but then go kick rocks. Then get over it. Because the only thing that matters to me is God move. God, the relationships you want, I want the relationships you want out. Let's get rid of them. God, close those doors that need to be closed. God, let's open those doors that need to be opened. Amen? How about this? How about this? Let's sin, let's sin be sin. Let's let right be right, and let's let wrong be wrong. Let's no longer let... You want to talk about change? Let's talk about change. What's going on in your life? What are the things that you have compromised to the degree that they are part of your life that you feel just an inkling of guilt with inside of you that the Holy Spirit is saying, this no longer needs to be. Let's allow change to happen. So we sit there and we say, I, Pastor, I, I see what happened in that story. You know, they, they, they noticed and, and they saw the need and, and this man was healed and he could walk around again. You know what really happened here? Because of this man, let me, let me, let me explain something here. I want to get this perfectly right because I want you to understand it the way that I feel that God gave it to me. This guy had a want in his life. He had something that he was desiring that he wanted of the natural, of the physical. All right? He wanted money. He was poor. He needed money. His friends were setting him up. All of this was happening. And he was blind to the fact that he had a true need, a need that he become so numb over, a need that he had completely forgotten about, but was so massive within his life. Some of you are right there right now. You've been praying over some of these things, but God's saying there's something greater that you need me to do in your life. You need to open up to it. 
You need to no longer look with your physical eye, but now you need to begin to look with your spiritual eyes. You need to allow the natural man to die out and allow the spiritual man within you to wake up. Because watch this, what happens here is the very need that he was looking to see that it was done in his life by getting money wasn't truly the need at all. The need was simply the man needed a healing from God. Now watch this. He received a healing and because he received a healing, now the man could get up and what could he do? He could work. He could begin to provide for himself. And what did that do? Brought the change that he wanted. See, what happens here is this. We're so blind to the true change that needs to happen within us. We see the smaller things. But God is saying, if you would have just allowed me to get involved in these big moments in your life, in these big changes that need to happen, trust me, the small things will be taken care of also. To me, that goes, wow. To me, in that moment, I go, God, whatever the change that needs to happen, change. Bring it in me. Bring it in you. Bring it in this church. Whatever it is that you're, Lord, that, you, that you're wanting to see done that I don't see, let somebody else notice it and begin to bring it to my attention. And Lord, may I be open and receptive enough to notice the change that needs to happen in others and loving enough and compassionate enough to be able to communicate and pray with them over it. Now, Acts chapter 3, 8 says this. He simply jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Why did that happen? Because this man simply had an encounter. He had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with God's people. He had an encounter with the power of God. He had an encounter with the presence of God. And we know this, the presence of God, what happens? Everything changes. This man had an encounter, and everything at that moment changed. That brings us to our last bullet point, and that's this. Your revelation of God's grace becomes visible in your praise. This guy is a recipient of grace. He got what he didn't ask for. He wanted spare change, and God gave him what? Life change. The moment he had been changed, his eyes were what? Now open. Immediately, everything around him was different. Things made that his posturism, that his, his, the way he communicated might have changed. The way he lived, his passions, his enthusiasm. He didn't care anymore what people thought because we understood what? He jumped up. The Bible says he jumped up, excited and praising God for the change that had taken place. And even went to the point of what? I'm following. I'm going with you wherever you guys go. I'm going with you because something miraculous has happened here. Wow. What, what can we learn from this? There's so much, so many golden nuggets, I, I like to say, in that passage of scripture right there. Lord, I want to be excited about my relationship with you as this man was excited at that moment. I remember the February the 6th, 1997, when that change of salvation entered into my life. I want you to stand with me this morning. There was nothing, absolutely nothing could happen 
in those days, weeks, and months thereafter, that could have extinguished my excitement. But then you know what happens? Life, problems, situations, difficulties. And so that excitement begins to do what? Dwindle, begins to kind of die out. Watch this. Just like this guy, he had a numbness over his lameness. We get a numbness over our salvation. We're not excited about it as much as we once were. We're not enthusiastic over what God has done, what Jesus has done.